Welcome to Blockchain Recorded, the podcast for the tech curious, where we talk about anything and everything related to the exponentially evolving crypto, blockchain, and Web 3.0 space. Our mission is simple, to share knowledge, facilitate discourse, and help evolve education in blockchain fundamentals, decentralization solutions, and relevant use cases for today's digital economy. We at Blockchain Recorded are not registered investment advisors and do not deal with financial or trading token elements, nor offer any licensed financial services. The content of this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, while the opinions of all parties involved are their own. I'm your host, Nina Tserar, and now let's talk blockchain. So before I introduce our guest today, I have a couple of brief updates for our community. We invite everyone to join us on Twitter Spaces, where we pre-stream each episode the day before it goes public on all major podcast platforms. For the platform list, visit our website, blockchainrecorded.com. We also have an NFT program with Blockchain Recorded Community NFTs. These can be claimed from our homepage. So check us out, visit our website, and follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for updates and potential airdrops. This episode is dedicated to the Web3 Stronger Together ecosystem initiative and its first virtual summit, which took place between March 1st and March 4th, 2023, in Evelyn's Metaverse, a virtual platform uniting several hundred Web3 leaders and thinkers, over 100 projects and speakers, and over 5,000 attendees from across the world. The purpose of Web3 Stronger Together, with which Blockchain Recorded is a proud media partner, is to demonstrate to the crypto community that the Web3 ecosystem is strong, solidary, active, and committed to furthering innovation, despite the status of the market and nature of price speculations. It emphasizes the importance of fairness, inclusivity, diversity, and sustainability to furthering healthy Web3 fundamentals. The summit included many panel discussions with assigned topics, which Blockchain Recorded is redistributing in audio form. The third panel discussion on March 1st covered the topic of education and how gamifying the metaverse can transform learning. The speakers were Greg Agriopoulos, the CEO of Magos, Namrata Dasmana, the founder of Evolution Strategies, Omkar Pimple, the founder and CEO of Miracle.io Germany, and Jose Reis Santos, the CEO of Block4U. At the start of the panel discussion, hardware was mentioned as a driving component to learning virtual space. Since human education is getting increasingly globalized, it is key to dedicate importance on curatorship of content. Speakers identified some challenges and drawbacks of using the metaverse in education, as well as the need for educator and student incentives by gamification to get to a desired learning outcome. The following is the panel's discussion moderated by Matin Noblia, one of the event organizers behind the Web3 Stronger Together ecosystem and initiative. We do apologize for potential audio drops due to choppy internet connections. We edited the recording to the best of our ability. Panel discussion for this first day of the Web3 Stronger Together Virtual Summit. Thanks for being there. We have today uh, Namrata, Omkar, Greg, Rosé. Really uh, honored to have you on stage, this virtual stage. I would like to let you introduce yourself in a few words and explain what you are doing in Web3 and why. Uh, the why for me is really important to know what you aim to bring and uh, to deliver. Who want to start? Let's uh, Namrata. Hi, greetings to everyone and uh, I mean, whichever part of the world you are in. Um, I'm Major Namrata. Uh, I served in uh, Indian Armed Forces for 15 years as an officer and um, I've been a quite successful and great uh, so transition from uh, military to corporate. I've been in a lot of corporates, uh, Bell Salvo, Vedanta, Genpa, 
and now I'm associated with a lot of global associations uh, where we are, uh, where we do uh, brainstorm and talk about, discuss about how uh, Betaverse is emerging and how, uh, you know, it can create that kind of difference. Uh, education is one thing which youth is one thing which is very close to my heart because there are there are actually succession leaders uh, be it any part of the world i do have my youth community as well where i develop them uh, to be succession to create that kind of succession leadership and uh, so here i am with all my credentials and value add wherever i can be in this discussion and uh, i'm in delhi india five kilometers is just uh, De uh, india uh, delhi international airport so please pardon me and bear with me if there is any flight <laughs> flying. So I'm going to keep myself mute whenever I'll have that um, feeling of flight being when I'm taking off. So I'll take a pause. Th thanks to you, Namahata, and uh, welcome again. Omkar. Yes, thank you, Laura. And thank you, uh, Web3 Summit Together, for having us here. It's a pleasure to be on this panel. I'm Omkar. I'm the founder and CEO of Miracle.io Germany. And uh, with Miracle.io, we transform the physical world around you into an interactive learning experience, everyday mobile devices that are running mixed reality. So we see that education, as Navrata already has mentioned, that it's something that empowers and supports future builders. And I think uh, transitions in the world today are much faster than they ever have been. Things have been evolving very quickly. And I think education is the best tool for us to make sure that we are on top of all of these transitions and evolutions that are happening and uh, we build primarily in the metaverse i don't like the term metaverse very much but uh, i just like to say that we transform the world around you uh, very simply put and um, i think education has traditionally been very centralized and i like the idea of decentralization that the whole web3 movement sort of brings because i feel like democratization and decentralization of education and knowledge more specifically is what is required for us to evolve to the next level as a as a civilization and species. So that's about us. That's about me. I primarily come from a technology background, so this is something that I really uh, familiar and I I really enjoy uh, sort of learning all of these new things. And I'm very happy to learn from the panel that we have here today. Good, awesome. Can you guys hear me too? Hey, Madman. Yes. Yes. Hi. Welcome. Who didn't introduce himself? I didn't. So it's Greg here. I take the floor. Actually. Uh, my name is Greg Agriopoulos. I'm uh, an entrepreneur and being involved in a deep tech uh, startup life, actually. Uh, we're, we're coming from the hardware sector. I represent Magos. Magos is a company that introduces a hardware wearable system. It's like a glove, an exoskeleton glove. So the goal is to provide the sense of touch for users inside the immersive world. So we have different technology components. I have a technical background, but also business a blended background. And uh, today we focus in commercializing the product for training, simulation, and education. So I'm very happy we're in this panel with these great people around and huge experience. And uh, a big thanks to Web3 for this opportunity to be in this panel and discuss about the topics. Thank you. Welcome. Jose, my yeah. friend, how are you doing? How life is going in Lisbon? It's, I mean, you know that you were just here. So I'll start to say thank you naturally for the invitation. I don't know if I'm the one, uh, the only one with the privilege to have met you in real life, Laura. Uh, as we met oh, in oh, oh, on this uh, panel, yes. Yeah. No, I met oh, you. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Martin, yes, for sure. Martin, too. I know. We are talking about the person, talking from, from the speaker's point of view. Yeah. So here, I think I'll present myself as an historian. So I have my background in academia and I'm a, my PhD is in comparative history. I also did work in political science. 
So I was quite engaged in all the academic uh, like point of view from the research. I was a lecturer, professor, so on and so forth. Recently, I transitioned to Web3. Now I'm, um, I'm in promoting projects and advising you know, on this Web3 space. And I'm essentially con uh, uh, interested on the intersection between the technology, or let's say like NFTs, metaverse, augmented reality, in order to have good use of the tools that are already in existence, in order for us to foster, you know, like knowledge, you know, like an access to, to content, a little bit to the point that Onkar was, uh, was doing. And in this sense, I think that we're going to witness a huge transformation in the educational processes in different forms, not only in, the, in, in terms of how we do and conduct research, and I think Onkar also, we were talking about decentralized education, which is a very interesting concept that is now taking sports the first steps. Second, about content creating um, or creation, uh, when you are addressing, for instance, the classroom. So when you're talking about, and I hope that we have time also during the debate to address this, if you want to bring, for instance, education inside the metaverse, and I was talking this week with a couple of projects from friends of mine who are doing this now, for instance, in part. So what brings you know, like the, these sort of tools, what does the metaverse, for instance, can bring to higher education, to give you an example, and what is the impact of this in terms of, of the content itself. And then third, and, and, and probably most importantly, naturally, it's how we can create the services, the tools, the projects that will seamless onboard, you know, like more and more users, more and more, if you like, uh, uh, engaging communities into Web3 all around, right? So we can all benefit from the impact and, and from the perks that the technology can bring for us. So these are, if you like, my, my main drive is this. Thanks to you, Jose. Guys, I let you discuss about the future of education, how GameFi and the metaverse can transform learning and uh, contribute to let, deliver a, a better place and a more sustainable uh, world. Up to you guys. Thanks. Yep. This is awesome. Well Thank you guys for being here. And uh, Laurent is probably going to go and do other things. So maybe each one of you can maybe go like however you want you know one by one but how do you envision you know uh this uh gamify and metaverse transforming the education system whoever who wants to go first yeah i can take the floor yes so from our perspective since we are mostly in the hardware sector um, we see that the hardware is the driver so you, you understand that uh, the headsets the virtual reality augmented reality headsets created a new opportunity in order to create a whole ecosystem. So they are reshaping the way that people are educated within classroom, outside classroom, in, in business, in industry. So we see it that way, actually, and we are trying to do that, uh, introducing a component that is missing today. Actually, we, you know, in real life, humans uh, learn by doing. And uh, if you take many professions, people are educated using their hands, their vision senses, their touch senses, etc. So today we tend to use the controllers. This is a blocking point according to our perspective. And we are trying to introduce the human touch by human fingers involved in virtual and immersive world. So this will change the whole education scene. Of course, uh, the content plays an important role, but we see the hardware components as the driver. Yeah. Anybody want to chime in? I can uh, maybe have a few words on this. So I think what Greg mentions about hardware, I think the hardware is available already. I think today's mobile devices are able to take people into the metaverse. I mean, the, the metaverse is not new, for example. It has been around for quite some time. We have virtual spaces um, for at least 20 years, if not longer. I think what hardware enables for sure, especially what Greg mentioned about 
is include multiple senses that perhaps were not involved in the experience before. So, so far, virtual spaces have always been about visual and maybe auditory in the sense of hearing um, as the primary sort of senses that were stimulated. And of course, entertainment and gaming were the two main sort of domains on this. But education naturally is is a very powerful, or rather these tools and technologies are very powerful in the sector of education. And that's what we are seeing also, uh, that of course, having advanced hardware is very valuable and it can take the stimulation of senses to the next level, but we don't need to wait for the hardware for the transition to happen. And that's what we are seeing is that even everyday mobile devices are able to have, today have all the hardware for you to stimulate visual, auditory, haptic, and kinesthetic uh, senses of the learners. And uh, that's something that uh, we have been also sort of seeing, experimenting and seeing very good results, both qualitatively and quantitative, quantitatively. So I think the software, content, hardware, these things are there. But I think from my perspective, I think the human challenges of adoption are, I would say, where we need to focus on as a community and see what is it that is, you know, causing friction points on the human side of things. Because the, te the tech is there, the content is there, the intent is there, and the direction is there. But where is the gap, essentially, is the question that we should be asking. I uh, would resonate with Umkar. In fact, I was in one of a global um, panel discussion where actually this was a challenge which was spoken by one of the entrepreneurs who is uh, working in uh, uh, South Africa. And she was mentioning the same thing that still when people come, uh, they're unaware about how to use the technology. So, you know, even if we are talking about these things, but then the human connect and uh, the practical usability uh, was missing. And uh, secondly, what I very strongly believe that with which I feel uh, it has a very positive point of uh, uh, talking about and uh, seeing how along with business getting globalized after pandemic, the education is getting globalized. I mean, it's it's just not restricting to one geographical location, but then the the uh, the amount and the the human connect from one you know location from one part of the globe, I would say, and they're connecting with students of another part of the it's it's a mix of culture, it's a mix of uh, education and immersive learning which is coming into the into this space so yeah uh, one challenge what tonkar mentioned is actually a very practical challenge and this should be really a matter of discussion uh, where we see that uh, how practical and how conversant people still are in using this thing uh, depending upon their understanding their adaptability uh, because uh, again like uh, having a connect through hardware is not a big challenge but then how to do it with these tools becomes a matter of learning, which I feel will not be, will not take much time uh, because of the kind of system uh, that uh, that Web3 is having, the metaverse is having, creating avatars and the, the teachers are creating that kind of virtual space uh, and connecting with these students. So, uh, yeah, not a big challenge, but still when we when we talk and we when we brainstorm, it comes as a handicap to many of the people. Then. Let me also put some ideas and listen thoughts, and I'm probably go back to the point of about you know the content creation, and I think community building is quite important. Mm -hmm. But I mean, and, and also I wanted to make it clear this from where I stand. I think that the issue, and I think we're talking about this, is not the hardware in itself, and I don't think it's the basis infrastructure. I mean, I give you an example. This friend of mine is from one top university in Portugal. They created you know like or they provided actually the first uh, you know like classes on the metaverse. And I was talking to him and I was asking, okay, so what was your investment? You know, like what was the whole thing? The creating part of the metaverse, so in the, in the sense they, they did a, a digital twin of one of their classrooms, 
You know, like that was actually very seamless, very easy, very, they have the team, you know, like that was not the problem. So the issue is not the technology itself and what it can provide. Of course, you can create your own world. You can, you know, like, uh, uh, if you like, allocate more resources when you're creating the atmosphere where you can have the immersive experiences. But the key here, in my point of view, is the content. Who creates the content and how you engage your community. I mean, I bear in mind, I don't know if you saw all of this, but I mean, European Commission recently did an event on the metaverse. They spend thousands of hundreds of dollars, right? Or hundreds of thousands, sorry. I think two or three hundred K to organize the event. There weren't 20 people there. Wow. That's great. Where is the gap? The community building, the communication? Are people not aware that this, you know, like metaverse experience are there for us to use seamlessly, like we're using here today? So, you know, this is one perspective that I wanted to leave, you know, like for more of the debate. The second, as an academic, as I don't know if you guys are teaching, but I mean, if you teach like 20 years ago, you're doing whatever, an MA, you know, like a BA, I probably remember when you were in, 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 uh, at, the, at the university level, you'll have a syllabus that you should read, right? You have your classes, before your classes, you read whatever, a book, a chapter, so on and so forth. Next week, you're coming, you're debating the content, you know, like, and, you know, like having a debate about it. I'm talking about social sciences, essentially which I think actually is an area where the metaverse experiences on education can be extremely impactful. Exactly because if you look at today, a lot of the younger generation, they don't read. They are in class on Google trying to understand some information about what we're talking about, right? You're on Wikipedia to see whatever about or to see that historical event, so on and so forth. So you have this kind of like narrow gap of attention, you know, like seeking from the part of the student body. This translate that the, the, the teacher, so the vehicle of information, needs to have a PowerPoint, so on and so forth. There are no new ways to communicate, which they are doing now. But please bear in mind, what is an academical life all about? We need to publish, we need to research, we need to prepare the classes, we need to create the content that we are referring to. So when I was talking to this friend of mine in university, and I was saying, okay, so what are we going to do with this? Well, they were exploring, you know, like seeing what, nothing like, yeah, but there's one thing you need to understand. The content, from my point of view, is the key. So you can have this interaction on a metaverse room to provide, you know, like as, you know, like Onkar was saying, this immersive experience that somebody needs to create and to curate the content. And this is going to fall on the academical side because it's not the techie or the dev, with all due respect to devs, as you can imagine, right? That you are creating the infrastructure for this to be seamless for us to use as academics, but it's going to be the burden of an academic to create the content, you know, like in order to provide the experience. Because otherwise, you know, like again, it will be, okay, well, for some branding, you know, if you can position yourself that you're in the metaverse, do something extremely simple, but you're not actually not using it. And sometimes what I see in these debates is that we are extremely concerned about the technology. We are extremely concerned about, you know, like all the infrastructures. But then, you know what? You're not actually looking at the content. So I think that we should actually dedicate a little bit more even to the curatorship of the content itself. Because, and I finish with this, we are also living in a world where information is very delicate. Who is providing information? Which information are we using? Is it fake news? Is it verified information? So on and so forth. And these are tools that we are using now that are going to have an extreme impact to Namratas in like point on the future education of people in the moment that education is globalized. And it's true. And again, it's not on the metaverse. We were doing this during the pandemic, right? Everybody yeah. was doing online courses and mock courses, so on and so forth. We're going to see, and you know, like simultaneously, it's kind of like a capitalist approach where the big universities which you are seeing now, Stanford, so on and so forth, are providing these sort of offers in the metaverse so they can engage, you know, like a global audience that will pay their fees, naturally. But I'm concerned about universities in India, which are now tailored, you know, like you need to compete with this. And we need also to foster that uh, or, or differently. We also need to put some sort of a KYC, or in this case, in know your knowledge, you know. Like, you know your knowledge. And know your knowledge, you know, like set up 
that you can, of course, like understand that the information that it's you know like being provided by 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 by, by curated content. It's the one that it's going to, if you like, engage in the pedagogical, you know, like upbringing as you want to bring, you know, like capacity to the students, you know, like whoever wants to look at it. Because the alternative, meaning staying dependent on a technology, will probably put a chat GDP creating the content itself. Because that's what, yeah. this is what it's going to look for. That's, that's yeah. required. I completely agree with Jules and the framework and the discipline of content along with the privacy matter which just which just triggers me because again uh, as like what where we have studied in a very disciplined and in a, in a very correct framework and knowing what to study and what not to study a teacher used to be on our head uh, here the privacy matters will again uh, be very very important uh, with the youth where we are developing and where we have all the kinds of information available just on a you know mouse click so yes, uh, a discipline in content and the privacy matter again uh, is one thing which as an uh, education where we, where we are talking about creating immersive learning experience should be always kept into mind. Yeah, very nice. So you guys talk about some uh, potential challenges and drawbacks uh, using uh, the metaverse for education. Uh, anybody wants to add anything in, th in that regards on challenges and drawbacks? Yeah, I, would, I can jump in actually. We should speak about the specifications and what uh, immersive technologies or metaverse, let's say, can contribute into education uh, spectrum. Uh, if we speak about immersive technologies, I, I could say that it's clear actually from studies and reports, you can identify that students learn 10% of what they read, but on the other side, they learn 90% of what they do. So I, according to my perspective, I, I think we should focus on clarifying and notifying the specifications and the KPIs, actually, that uh, education could gain from the utilization of uh, these technologies or these communities, actually. And, and then I think all other obstacles will be sorted out eventually, more or less, faster or slower. Yeah, I think on this topic, maybe perhaps Osegan, uh, since you come from a strong academic background, you can sort of add some more light on this. But I think often what is missing is the incentive for the educators. Because if you think of education as a as an industry, right? I, I know that education is a noble profession and everything, all the narrative around it, and it is. But at the same time, like many educational organizations today think and operate as as a corporate entity almost. Like it is a business, right? You have cash coming in, you have customers coming in, and then you are providing a service also. And in other words, it is a service to society as well at the same time. But here, like your customers are uh, typically young. They may not understand uh, the full capacity of what is required of the service in the first place. That's one thing. And the second thing is by the time they understand or are made aware of the service that they haven't provided, they no longer need the service because they've graduated. So I think there is no incentive for the educator, or maybe we need to think of incentives for the educators to have some sort of a service improvement or SLA, service level agreement, let's say that, you know, what KP, uh, like KPIs in a way, what Greg mentioned about. Like, how can we incentivize educators to constantly and incrementally evolve their methods, their tools, their content, and their approaches? Uh, towards providing an incrementally better service to their customers, to their clients, and to society. So maybe, say maybe from your academic background, how can we incentivize uh, educators in a different way? I think we have a fundamental problem here, and which is 
we are we are assuming that we are we are we are talking about an integrated space where you have dialogues between the different things. And this, I think, doesn't exist. I give you again this example. I mean, COVID happened, and academics we had already a full steam life, as I was telling the research, the you know, like tourable publications, you know, like the classes they have to do. They have to do admin work. They have to run for fundings and grants. This is like round the clock. So what we had is 100% of your time. With COVID, you had 130% of your time. Because everybody will assume that uh, because you're home, you know, like you are more likely like, to be work. So this brings extra burden to the academics itself, meaning, you know, like the ones that are using the tools that we are here addressing. So if you want to go, you know, like and then tell these academics, hey, you know what, all your content, please put it on the metaverse. What do you think is going to happen? What is going to be to a certain extent, you know, like the, 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 I mean, you have two problems. You have the problem of the, the educator in itself, understanding the nature of the tool. And you have, of course, the problem that the educator will have the time then to prepare the tool. Now, one thing, and this is broadly, you know, like regarding web three space, one thing that I think it's still fundamentally missing in a lot of projects. Again, it's consultants that are coming from social sciences and so forth. You put all the effort on your dev team, rightfully so. Then you're putting your content, you know, like your efforts and your resources in your marketing to- team, rightfully so. But, you know, like you need to create, you know, like this, uh, if you like, breaches of dialogue, right, with the content that you want to be providing. And this I see, I mean, immensely, because I position myself like this, right? And then, you know, like, to the point, you know, like that you were talking about the European Commission before, maybe what they didn't have is somebody that actually can curate the content. So this is something that we, as, as, as players in the industry, in my point of view, should also be taken care of. And, and attention towards. Because if tomorrow you want to provide, you know, like an education tool for an university to provide a certain content, uh, please talk to us, social scientists. <laughs> doing this for a while. I know we were not trendy, we're not flashing, you know, like we're not Lambo guys. This is, I, mean, I admit it, you know. But I think, you know, like this kind of like, you know, like even to the point of decentralization, actually. So decent, continue the decentralization, you know. Yeah and engage more of the pieces of the community that you want to engage with. I don't know if I answered the question. Yeah, Jose, I would like to point out that uh, we're coming from the industry where for-profit companies, so we work with the university clinics or uh, medical uh, departments in universities, so the the path we follow up until until today, and there is a push, there's a, a requirement for new immersive projects for education, it's like they have a consultant from the university, from the information department, the digital uh, communication on computers science department. So the consultants are, are coming that way. No, 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 I agree. And for instance, of course, we need to be granular on this. So I mean, you get an extremely good example, you know, like medical school, you know, this, I think the impact of, um, I'm not saying just the metaphor, so augmented reality, video mapping, it's going to be huge. My formal partner is actually a, 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 a doctor and also, you know, a professor at university. And this is a use case that you can see immediately uh, the impact of this immersive, you know, like uh, educational process to a certain extent. But again, to the point, how you're going to do it then, Greg? You're talking with the IT guy, which is a consultant for uh, for the university or for the hospital. They provide you the tools, and then you're going to 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 interact with uh, with uh, with the faculty for them to use the tool. Or would you like the faculty already to be involved in the process no. of getting the tool? It depends, actually. With some, especially with university departments or clinics, they don't have the expertise. So uh, yeah. we play the role of uh, uh, addressing their requirements in the, what is feasible on the education content. So we develop a content that is 
uh, according to their needs, but also aligned with the technology capabilities. So we create uh, like a specific requirements definition period, like short period. So we align on that and then we can develop the content. Okay, and how it has been the onboarding process in this case? Yeah, actually, uh, this is on their side, as you mentioned, but since they have the the push in order to adopt this new content or this new technology, they have a, a learning cycle that they can adopt it within the faculty. Actually, there are specific projects, you can start with those, that cannot be simulated in real-life scenario. For example, some surgical operations, some rare operations, so there is no training at all. So either you will have no training, no education, or you will have an immersive one. Mm-hmm. In your, is this live already? So it's uh, yeah, it's live. Yeah. And which um, bottlenecks did you found there? Which the, bo- the bottlenecks were actually how engaged the um, how how engaged the the client is or the persons leading the in. Uh, this section actually how engaged in order to set up the requirements how they can manage the the technology or the project itself and how and right now they're in the adoption yeah, so from the faculty point of view correct from the faculty right that was my point exactly all right yeah, for me maybe i also discussed this <clears throat> briefly number at um as well about how about again coming back to the incentivization from like i think both learners and educators can be incentivized using gamification methods within uh, the, the the meta content, essentially. So let's say you have a curriculum of five topics, for example, and uh, these five topics have some sort of completion rates, have some sort of, have some metrics related to it, let's say. So you, you may have five subtopics within these, each of these topics and so on. So it, like incentivize, like a, a good framework would, you know, regardless of what kind of technology is being used for the content, would still find a way to gamify uh, completion of the content. I think that remains the key over here. Like you can add hardware to it, you can add mixed reality to it, you can add enhanced displays and, you know, haptic gloves and haptic uh, feedback uh, tools to it. But the basis of it is to make it a journey, essentially, and the journey that is enjoyable and something that you want to continue and complete because there is something at the end of it that you're chasing, essentially. And uh, that's something that we have tried at uh, Miracle.io. And uh, we've sort of taken a two-pronged approach to this. We have done it both for educators as well as students. Gamifying the learning journey, both for educators and students as well. So... As Greg mentioned, right, learning by doing in itself is valuable, and that is something that we want to shoot and shoot for, and we want to have the learning learning outcome at the center of everything that we do. But at the same time, like, how can we get to the learning outcome? Because in online e-learning courses, one of the key uh, metrics that is lagging or failing actually is completion rates. Like, students are not completing online courses. Completion rates are in single digits, even on. Um, platforms like Coursera, which are the best of the best out there. So how can we keep the focus on the learning outcome, which is the key sort of focal area of education, add these elements of gamification to it, and use and build content at the intersection of pedagogy, technology, and creativity by working with subject matter experts, spatial artists, 3D artists, and technology experts, because at the the intersection of these three domains is where the magic happens. And uh, we've seen that in, on, on the ground in India, in very rural parts, in, in the smallest, uh, in regions where they don't even have internet connectivity. 
and uh, they are still uh, it still works like it it works for kids in the city it works for teachers in the city and it works for teachers and kids in villages as well so that's something that we've seen and I thought I'll share that with you all here as well okay. all right um, um Kara, guys we are coming down to the end of this panel uh it, one last thought you guys want to share maybe how successful implementation that you've seen uh working maybe you can share one last thought uh, for us before we leave I just wanted to, I mean, say it was just something, I mean, uh, regarding what the Omkar, I think we should do a session just on gamification of education. I think this is extremely interesting to, to see the potential. I mean, again, it brings a reflection. Where are we going towards, right? And which space, you know, like, and how we engage the different, uh, the, the different pieces. But if one thing I wanted to leave clear, and I think it's, uh, at least from, from my point of view, I think to guarantee a universal access to reliable education, if we, when we are talking about education and pedagogical methodology, and this is should always be some of our goals. Perfect. I think one last point uh, where we are, we are we have spent so much of time and so much of postures involved, uh, and we are we are trying to touch every part of the geography. Uh, a model of design thinking is very much important, which I very strongly advocate in in whichever way because we have to understand the audiences, the schools, the colleges, the universities, and that kind of customization of our content. Uh, which is suitable to them so that it is that kind of impact is there and uh, it becomes a sustainable model. Great. Yeah. Okay. Greg, Ankar. For the moderation. Last thought. Amrata, Greg, and Ankar, it was a pleasure to meet you from here. Uh, thanks. thanks to you all, guys. It was really exciting to Thank hear you so in the background. We could uh, stay, uh, I think, a few, few, few a longer uh, time together. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Uh, thanks to you again for taking part to this first uh, virtual uh, summit and uh, for bringing uh, your point of view and your valuable uh, vision. See you soon. It's time to jump in the next uh, panel di discussion. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks again to our guests and thank you everyone for listening. Thanks also to the Barian Music team for providing their music. You can check them out on barianmusic.com. All of the supporting information is on our website, blockchainrecorded.com. You can listen to us on Google, Apple, and Amazon Podcasts, as well as on YouTube, Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter and YouTube, where we are super grateful for your support. Stay tuned for our next episode.